Hello and welcome. My name is Rima and I started this podcast because everyone I know has something valuable to say based on their career or lifestyle or where they're at in life right now. And I thought, why not share that? So this is about reconnecting with friends, meeting some new ones perhaps, and sharing some insight along the way. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Chatter and Laughs. I'm so excited to have Candice Batista on the podcast with me today. I feel like Candice and I have known each other for many years. I feel like we've been orbiting around each other in a way. Um, Candice began her career as a host and producer at CFYZ, Toronto's airport radio station at the time. I too started my career working for the same company that owned the radio station called Cybersonics. Uh, She also ran her own environmental TV show called A Greener Toronto through Rogers Communications. I too volunteered at Rogers uh, for many years, so we know a lot of the same people. And um, I've been following Candice's career for over 20 years. Um, Today, Candice is an environmental journalist. She's been teaching people how to go green for over 20 years and is the founder of the ecohub.ca. Canada's premier online lifestyle and news publication that's devoted to all things sustainability. Thank you so much, Candice, for joining me. Thank you, Rima, for having me. I, you know, I actually forgot that that was my first <laughs> gig. That when you mentioned that, I was like, um, I don't think so. And then, <laughs> and then at the airport radio station, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> That was like a thousand years ago. That it was. was, but any- was uh, yeah, I mean, I think I was still in broadcasting school when when I when, when I you started that. that. Uh, that was wild. Uh, anyhow, I know that's a way back play My back goodness. there. <laughs> I thought that we would start with uh, you telling us about your journey. I know you originally didn't start out as an environmental journalist. I mean, we just talked about that. What let you? What led you down this path? Well, I think I was born an environmentalist, even before I thought about my career choices. I grew up in Africa, and I was very fortunate to see the uh, the world in a very different light, especially when it came to animals and, and seeing animals in their true and natural environments um, on a safari. So I was very you know blessed and privileged to be able to do that as a child. So from very early on, I was saving animals and all my school projects were around, you know, animal welfare and animal activism and, and environmental um, uh, racism and, and different things that were happening in my community. And then when I came to Canada, that changed a little bit, went to university, but always really kind of had a a real passion, one for television and and journalism, but also for the environment. So Mm. I tried to build a career based on those two principles. And it, it, it certainly hasn't been easy because, you know, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, going green, zero waste, wasn't really as popular as it is right now. And I think that social media has really helped to push both of those agendas forward quite a bit and, and put it in the front of the, in, fr- in, in front of so many faces, whereas mm-hmm. before we were relying on traditional media and traditional broadcast media um, to bring these kinds of issues to light. So. After the radio station, I, I started at the Weather Network. That was my real first broadcasting mm-hmm. job. Um, and I spent a lot of time there working with both meteorologists and climatologists. And I started to learn about desertification through Central Africa and how 
basically how difficult it was for animals to migrate across Africa because of the, the, the expanding desertification um, around the equator, basically hot, warm, dry temperatures, which was leading to famine for both humans and, and animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of got really interested in the weather from that standpoint and started to learn about this very new term called global warming, mm-hmm. climate change. And I got to do quite a bit of stuff on the Weather Network related to that. I reported on quite a few big events related to climate change at the time. Then I developed a Green Toronto, as you mentioned, which was a local television show, the first actually in Canada, that looked at how local Torontonians were fostering and facilitating environmental stewardship in a number of different ways. So I looked at everything from organic food to green beauty to composting, vermicomposting, um, <laughs> toxins in your, in your home. You name it. We covered, we did 10, almost 10 seasons of that show. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2002, right? Or was it yeah. 2001? Well, roughly around there. Yeah. yeah. So you've been in this game for a long, long time. Yes. Very long time. Yeah. And then from there, it just kind of worked. And, and I, I just kind of carved this niche out. Um, and a lot of people told me at the time, you're crazy because mm-hmm. I left the Weather Network to do a Greener Toronto. Right. And a lot of people said, this is insane. This is just a trend. You can't do this. And, and I was like, yeah, you know, saving the planet is not really a trend for me. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I had the foresight to see that things were bad then and then how bad they were going to get. They couldn't get better unless we had massive shift in policy and the way people approach consumerism and those types of things. And, mm-hmm. and clearly, you know, nothing has happened. Nothing <laughs> Nothing substantial has happened, unfortunately, in the last 20 years, other than more awareness. But with yeah. awareness, in my opinion, there hasn't been more action in places where that action can actually make a difference. And that's, of course, policy, government, um, and those kinds of things. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I just, while you're speaking, I'm just thinking to myself, wow, like, there there really hasn't been, which is just so disappointing. I can't imagine what it must feel like for you. But I mean, just to digress here, I know many listeners today most likely know what we're talking about. They, they're familiar with climate change uh, and what the word, the word global warming, but I, I feel like it would be beneficial to hear you talking about it. Like if you could just describe what climate change is and why we need to focus on it now more than ever. Well, essentially, I mean, it's a very controversial topic because unfortunately, people have made it a political uh, t- a political topic. So depending on whether you're liberal, conservative, Republican, uh, Democrat, um, you're going to either believe it or not believe it. The fact right. is that the temperature is warming up, period. And that is happening because we are burning fossil fuels. Fossil fuels are things, uh, um, greenhouse gases that are burned during the production of all the different things that we use and, and, and produce in our society. Right. So even just feeding cattle, as an example, um, our transportation, our fashion footprint, all of these things contribute to fossil fuels. Plastic, of course, mm-hmm. is a huge one. So when we burn fossil fuels, we put certain gases into the air that warms the temperature and warms the, the earth, essentially. This is a very basic way yeah. of, of looking at it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people say that, oh, well, you know, it still gets cold. Um, That's a weather phenomenon. You know, that's different from climate change. Um, It doesn't mean because the climate is changing and we're talking about warming temperatures that it's not going to get cold. If you live in Canada and you live, you know, um, far from the equator, it's going to be cold. Yeah. 
Um, But we are seeing major differences in how those uh, greenhouse gases are affecting weather and weather patterns. And we've seen that for the last 20 years, and we're still seeing it. We're seeing it right now when you look at the extreme hot temperatures on the West Coast and East Coast right now, Mm -hmm. from New York all the way up to the Maritimes, up to Newfoundland. And then on the West Coast, you're looking down into places like Ohio, you know, up into British Columbia, um, and then north into the Yukon, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, 40 degrees in the northern parts of Canada at any time of year. So it's the manufacturing and the consumption and the pace at which consumption is happening, all those things that we buy um, that create uh, greenhouse gas emissions that unfortunately help to raise the temperature. So if you think about the earth like a, a fish tank, everything if in the fish tank is happening together. It's a symbiotic relationship. If the water right. is dirty in one part of the fish tank, it's going to be dirty in the other part of the fish tank. And that's how the earth is. The only difference is, is we can't take out all the humans, clean out the tank and put us all back in. Right. (laughs) That's really where the the big change, but you know, it's tied climate change, especially in the, in, in the Western world and in the, in the, you know, in, in North America, Europe, um, is very much tied to consumption, consumption of meat, consumption of products that we we use but don't really need, um, and then very poor um, recycling. So consumption is really the driving point. It's the catalyst amongst all of the trouble that we are. Uh, we continue to have. Yeah, and that's, you know, that is my opinion for sure. Other people might disagree, but Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the volume of things that we produce and buy um, is uh, very alarming in many cases. Yeah. I feel like the topic of climate change, I mean, can feel overwhelming at times. So many, so many individuals want to make a difference, but don't know where to start. Or even if their individual gestures are making a difference. Like for me personally, I feel like there's so much I need to work on within my own environment and family to help reduce our carbon footprint. And I, and I know, and I mean, I follow you, right? And, and I, I see you talk about consumption so much. And I look at my house and I just feel like a failure in some way. And um, there's a sense of guilt uh, and helplessness at times. How do you, how would you address that? Well, you're right, 100%. <laughs> Um, you know, it is a very daunting task mentally to take on, yeah. you know, and I'm not going to lie. It's not an easy path to walk. And yeah. that is simply because society is just not set up in a way that helps me or you or anyone make more mindful decisions. It's just, yeah. not. it doesn't support it. It just doesn't support it. It's like trying to eat well and going yeah. out to a restaurant, right? You know, you, you're, you're trying to make a good decision. You're trying to eat well. You're not, you don't want to eat the car and the fat and the butter and all that stuff but what's on the menu for you is so limited yeah so you end up eating something that you don't you didn't really want to you feel overweight you feel uncomfortable and then you feel guilty yeah you know, I use that as, as an example because it it's it it really rings true for me um there's a couple things so the first thing is that it is really hard to to live a sustainable life and that's because when you first start like normally it's interesting over the last 20 years the most emails that i get from readers is usually a new mom somebody who's pregnant for the first time Mm -hmm. who's gone down the rabbit hole 
of toxins, phthalates, parabens, right. um, GMOs, plastic in fish, plastic in umbilical cords. Like, yeah. gone down this, this rabbit hole and she's terrified. Mm-hmm. That's really the most common reader that I have is that those mm-hmm. are the people that are emailing me the most. And when you first start that and you first go down that rabbit hole, it's very overwhelming and terrifying. And you have either one of two ways of going. You either give up completely or you become crazy like like, (laughs) I was like the green police right are you buying products that are toxic and and that was at the very beginning of my career and then I learned through producing a tv show and feedback from readers and viewers that you know you have to approach it in a way that's approachable for you and your life yes do I I want to say you know get over it and do it because if you don't the world is going to end yes but i understand that that that's not going to be um productive because that's not how people want to receive um information they you know unfortunately um sometimes it is hard for people to understand and grasp what's really happening and the media does a really big disservice because they don't explain things properly right that goes for everything even vaccines there's so much confusion you know yeah absolutely and global warming and climate change you have reporters reporting on issues that they don't really understand they Mm -hmm. want it in a big story they've read something and now they're telling you about it so yeah that's the first thing the other thing is that does one person's um for a number of reasons number one it does it it does only actually take one person to change the world and when you Mm. look at examples like nelson mandela gandhi um even more recent way more recently greta thunberg you know these are these are people that this is one person that's had a monumental effect globally whether you like them or not whether you agree with them or not the fact is you're still talking about them so one person can um, make a difference for me, the biggest thing is that when you when you decide to go on or take this path of more eco-friendly living, environmentally, you know, living, eco, green, whatever you want to call it, sustainable living, yeah, is it's really about being mindful. And it's the mindfulness comes in the in the way for me of my impact on other people. So hmm. if you think about it in terms of is my purchase harming another person somewhere else on the planet it's it's a little bit easier i feel to take that in and comprehend that and 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 make a choice based on that than it is to say am i saving the planet from global warming right you know yeah. all of the issues around um consumption are also tied up in other things like poor wages for people that work in factories that make all the products that we buy. Most of them are women and children who work in really bad, deplorable, um, unsafe working conditions. They're faced with sexual abuse, physical abuse all the time. They get paid nothing and they have no protection. So when you make a decision to buy a $4.99 t-shirt from H&M, you are supporting that you, there's no way to get around that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's fast fashion is not pretty. Yeah. You know, it just isn't. And so when you look at the world in in that way, for me, that was the real shift for me when I and this is going back now, probably probably like 17 years or 16 years. Yeah. The first two three years was just kind of, oh my god, get rid of everything. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know? And then it was like, okay, let's be normal. Like. Right. This, 
you can't live like this. Right. Um, you know, and the other thing is that it doesn't, this, what works for me might not work for you. And, and that's really a very important point to make is that everybody can do what they can do with what they have. Do yeah. what you can with what you have, basically. Yeah. It's zero waste lifestyle might look very different from yours or from my neighbors or from my mom's even. Yeah. Based on the neighborhood that you live in, the stores that you have available to you, how many children you have, are you a single parent, you know, mm -hmm. live in a marginalized community, like all of these things play into it. So there's Absolutely. no perfect environmentalist. There really isn't. Yeah. Um, you know, and you see a lot of that right now on social media, the imperfect in environmentalist and mm -hmm. You know, so that's at a at a at a you know a basic like people perspective. But then yeah. we, we move to like the policy perspective, and that's a completely different ballgame. The fact right. that governments allow big polluters and and companies that are responsible for uh, plastic pollution, for deforestation, you know, for massive um, catastrophes that are happening right now at our planet on our planet, those people should be held accountable because right. they are. Um, knowingly, because you can't say now in the age that we live in, I didn't know. We right. don't know. Right. Um, you can't say that. There, yeah. I mean, unless you're living in, you know, the middle of nowhere and you have access to nothing. Yeah. Most people have a, more people in the world have cell phones than toilets. Yeah. So people know, you know, so I'm, I'm, always dismayed and, and disappointed by government, by government policy. It's a lot of greenwashing and a lot of right. Um, right. banning a plastic, banning plastic straws and plastic cutlery. It, it, that is not, yeah, sure. It's great, but that's yeah. not going to save us from global warming and climate change. They have to stop giving large plastic polluters, massive incentives. Plastic is a fossil fuel. It's a virgin mm -hmm. fossil fuel. It's cheaper to extract a virgin fossil fuel than it is to recycle so they that's why recycling rates for plastic are so low because mm -hmm. it's expensive to recycle them and turn them into something else yeah. than to extract the fossil fuel from the ground yeah. all the emissions that we were talking about earlier but there's also they get all these tax breaks and all these government incentives you know, Coca-Cola is not a pop company. Coca-Cola manufactures plastic bottles. So does Johnson & Johnson. So do all these big organizations. These companies are not only producing a product mm -hmm. or cleaning products, they're producing plastic. plastic That's their Which is killing our planet. You know, so um, plastic is a real issue. And listen, it's one of the most incredible inventions of our time. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't look at plastic and be like, wow, how we've been able to use this product for everything that you could possibly think of yeah. um, for packaging, storing, ca uh, caring, food storage, food production. I mean, yeah. it's everything, toys, everything, brilliant, like. you know, it's durable, it lasts, it's cheap, mm -hmm. all the things that you think that you want a product to be, but at the expense of who and what. Right. No. So yeah. we live in a country where we have formal waste disposal. We have our city picks up our waste. Yeah. Um, we have green bits for our organic waste. There's lots mm -hmm. of countries around the world that don't have our formal waste management. And that plastic is just piling up in lakes, rivers, it's burned, it pollutes creates all kinds of problems so at some point and do i feel that something's going to be done about it no 
at mm. some point there will be more plastic in the ocean. They're saying that's going to happen by 2050. Um, there'll be more plastic in the ocean than fish. I think it's going to happen way sooner. Before that. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we're just going to have to be living with and dealing with for the rest of our lives and our children's lives and their children, unless there's some new innovation that comes, you know, comes out um, that replaces all the million uses uh, for plastic. I mean, mm -hmm. every single thing you use, your camera has plastic on it, your phone yeah. has plastic parts, your glasses, your pens, your shoes. There's so much. So it's it's it would need a it would it would mean an entire revamp of an entire system. Right. Um, you know, almost which, a shift in in the way we live, like a, uh, like in society. Going, exactly. It's going from a linear economy, which is where we are at right now, where we extract a product, we use it, um, we don't think about it, and then we throw it away. Whereas right. the circular economy, which I'm sure you know, yeah. is we're thinking about before we even manufacture the product, we're thinking about where it's going to end up. So yeah. we're, we're continuing that circle of life. So we make it, we use it, it becomes something, and then, hey, we can make it into something else, or we can mm. think about how it can be discarded. Because that's also where a lot of our problems come in, is that most right. of the plastic that we use in our homes is single use. So yeah. when you look at plastic bags, compost bags, uh, shampoo bottles, uh, makeup container bottles, all those things are single use. Mm -hmm. Into the home, you might use the shampoo five, six, seven, 10, 20 times, doesn't mm -hmm. matter, but it is still a single use because you're only using it for that single thing. Right. Reusing that for something else. It's yeah. use it for your hair and then it gets tossed. Yeah. When you think about how much plastic just the beauty industry is responsible for mm -hmm. um, it yeah. becomes very alarming so it's really about being more minimalistic in in everything that you do and honestly when you start down this path yes it's difficult but once you get into it you actually end up saving so much money and yeah. I, that's one of the biggest misconceptions i was just gonna say that that must be one of the biggest that being green means you it's expensive it's in some way yeah and it's just not it's honestly it's just not being green is about using what you already have right it's not about buying the latest sustainable product mm -hmm. when i first started this journey i bought all these reusable straws, bamboo, glass. I've never <laughs> used them. I have hundreds of them in my home. <laughs> it's a useless thing. Don't, and I, stores get mad at me who sell it. You know, and I'm like, listen, unless you have a kid that loves a straw. Yeah. Like, yeah. Honestly, it's not helping. There's so many products, even in the sustainability sector, that we just don't need. Yeah. So it's about rethinking how you shop, what you shop for, instead of buying food and, and things that come in in the grocery store, things that come in plastic, try to buy them in glass or paper or cardboard, thinking about just those little shifts yeah. of using paper towel. The bane oh, of the I know. I, I, that, that one, you know, yeah. so it's just about rethinking your life and, and, and yes, you save money, you save thousands of dollars. And honestly, you have less stress because you're not having to deal with all this stuff. Crap. Yeah. And it's so interesting when that show came out, Marie Kondo show, Yes, yeah. um, you know, you could see what I found so interesting about that series. I mean, there was lots wrong with that series because mm -hmm. of, it made people go home, clean out all their stuff and just dump it in garbage bins at mm -hmm. local donation centers. Like it, yeah, it which also doesn't help. Right. 
yeah, people weren't sorting their stuff properly. When you donate something, you need to be mindful about how it's not just putting all your junk in a bag and giving it to the donation center. Because yeah. what happens is they don't go through that and look at every detail. You have to make sure the shoes are elastic together. That mm -hmm. you know, if the one shoe is in one bag that you drop off and the other shoe is in the other bag, that's <laughs> fine. They're not going to have time or resources no. to try and find the pair. Yeah. using all the junk that you've dropped off so of course. that was a major problem for me but what the one thing I did find interesting which I didn't hear a lot of people talking about was how stressed people were by how much stuff they had that yes. was really a common theme that oh my gosh we have too much stuff and that even they were even buying they couldn't find the stuff that they had so they were like buying another spatula because your drawer is so full you can't find the spatula you're using so when you're at yeah. the Store, you're like, shoot, you know, I don't know where I put that. I'm just gonna, I'm buy, just gonna buy another one. Yeah, that's the mentality that we're in, and we have to get out of that mentality. And marketing companies, cleaning companies, all these companies make us think that we need all of these products to make our homes, you know, fantastic. Yeah. You need fabric softener, you need something for your shirt collar, you need something for the scent, the underarm, yeah. the fabric. It's ridiculous. You don't need any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so a simple life is 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 just that. It's a simple life, and it doesn't mean that you're you're missing out on something. Yeah. That's a lot of people think that. Oh, I'm missing out. But right. You know, you're not. You're not missing out on anything. You have more peace of mind, and you have mm -hmm. more time because you're not always cleaning, worrying about worrying things about around your house. Stuff. Yes. Yeah. And you know, none of that. All those things are the things that don't really matter in life, right? Exactly. I mean, things in life that matter are relationships, and you know, your health, and and all these those those other things are the things that matter, not the stuff. Well, so. look at COVID. Look at COVID. Look how many people haven't shopped mm -hmm. for stuff in a long time. Yep. And every single one of us have survived. Yep. Absolutely. We money, and we've reduced our footprint we absolutely so have can be done yep um it's just when we're forced people are just lazy and i know people get mad at me when i say that but it's true people are lazy they don't want to try you know they want to live their lives buy what they want and you know screw everybody else and yeah. i i understand that but at some point you have to look at your your life and your impact and say you know is this the legacy that I want to leave? Yeah, I really, I'm, I'm going back to what you said about the cycle. And if we could even just, if listeners could even just take away that today, you know, and listen to that, like, and when you're, you're going to purchase something, like take a look at it and ask yourself, where will this end up? Like, what is the beginning of this? And where, what is the end of it? Right? Um, I feel like that's a really uh, powerful statement. And I, and I, I think, like I know, I personally, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that away myself. I mean, even just saying, do I really need this? Yeah. Most of the time, eighty percent, ninety percent of the time, you don't need it. But the thing is, we all say that, right? We all say to, do we need this or do we want it? But I don't think we're truly asking no. ourselves. If you're do in we, the store, yes, you're holding it. Yeah. And you're like, do I really need this? Yeah. You honestly, ask yourself that question. Yeah. Most of the time, the answer will be no. I yeah. don't. And yeah. Do I really need to spend this two hundred dollars right now? No. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Okay. No, those are good points. <laughs> so, I mean, of course, we we've already really kind of talked a lot about this, but what actions can individ individuals do right now to help make a difference in the fight for our planet? If they were going to do one thing, what would that be? 
Yeah, it's such a hard question just because mm -hmm. it really depends on on where you are in your life, where you live, the community, the things that are, you have close to you. I think composting is very important. Um, we waste a lot of food in this country. A lot of food ends up in landfill and it leaches, um, it releases a specific kind of gas as it starts to go off. And that's another thing that contributes to global warming. Um, so if we can keep food out of landfill, so it really means being more mindful about how you shop um, and then composting the food. Um, that really. Yeah, like really thinking about that, that if everybody composted properly, we'd see such a major reduction mm -hmm. um, because of how much food is ending up in landfill. Like you really shouldn't put food in the garbage. People do it all the time. At all, really, uh, yeah. Like the garbage is not for food. It's really for dry goods. It, mm -hmm. it, it shouldn't be like a, but it, it's not. Landfills all over the world are filled with garbage and food all over yeah. the world. Yeah. Um, so it's not a. It's not just a problem here. It's everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, composting is is a big deal. And then I would say just kind of the no brainer stuff that people talk about all the time. Like pick up a reusable coffee cup. I know that it's lots of places are allowing you to bring your coffee cups now. Mm -hmm. Weren't for a while because of COVID, but that we are seeing a shift back towards that. Yeah. Coffee cups are horrible unbelievably wasteful things you use it once you if you think about some people buying three or four coffee cups a day they're not recycled mm -hmm. in most communities they're not recycled some recycling systems do accept coffee cups most yeah. don't so the coffee is lined it's a paper cup lined with plastic yeah That's what keeps the cup from leaking all over you mm -hmm. so it's a simple thing um say no to straws you know when you when you go out to a restaurant tell them to hold the straw mm. um when you go shopping take your reusable shopping bags right um, forget them just put the stuff in the car then put the stuff from the cart from the car, from the grocery store, into the cart, from the cart, into the car. When you mm -hmm. get home, grab your bags, put your groceries in and bring them inside the house. Yeah. Just little shifts in, in habit and thinking, um, you know, but again, it's also finding what's right for you. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you said something that kind of stands out. You talked about habit. And I feel like that's that's also a big part of it. You know, going to the grocery store. Do you do you need bags? Yes, I do. You know, it's almost a habit in a way to say yes, even realizing later, like you only have two or three items with you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you know, habit is a learned behavior. Uh, you know, it, it's like um, uh, muscle memory where you you just do yeah. it without yeah. thinking about it. It's going also back convenience, but mm -hmm. I call it con. <laughs> <laughs> Because right. the whole industry that we're, we buy into is a con. Right. It's not making our lives any better. It's making us sicker. It's making us more overweight. It's making us, our bodies are filled with plastic. We're eating a hanger's worth of plastic a week. Like we're oh, plastic in our food. So, at, you know, at what point, what has to happen, you know, in order to see um, ma major change, you know? Um, but yeah, so, I mean, composting, um, you know, and then trying to eliminate um, certain things in your home. I think the biggest advice that I can say is that you can't start all at once. A lot right. of people, that's where a lot of people make their mistake. Mm -hmm. and I, I give the example of organizing your home or decluttering your home. When you are decluttering your home, 
Do you go into the garage, open the garage and see all that stuff and then just go, yeah, no, I can't even bother and close the doors. Mm -hmm. How many people have done it? I've done it. I open yeah. up. <laughs> it's too much for me to take on. So yeah. I start maybe with a kitchen drawer. Mm -hmm. I use that. Then I move on to my, my, my bag. What's in my bag? What's in my wallet? So it's the same thing when you're transitioning to more um, eco-friendly products. It's starting in one area of the home. This mm -hmm. might be kitchen, the bathroom, those are two of the places where we have the biggest impact when it comes to uh, consumption. Yeah. Um, because the other things like bedding and sheets and mattresses, they're bigger ticket items. So we don't tend to purchase as much. Buy those and yep. mindlessly consume those things. Right. More, you know, like a $5.99 bottle of shampoo or hand yep. soap. It's those kinds of things. So yep. It's starting with those items and then picking one item in either the kitchen or the bathroom and starting there. So it might be you're going to try to, you know, stop buying shampoo and conditioner in plastic containers and you're going to try shampoo bars. Mm -hmm. There is a trial and error. Shampoo bars are not perfect. They it mm -hmm. take a while to find one that works for you, um, you know, so try it. The other thing might be toothpaste. Toothpaste comes in plastic tubes. There's about a billion of them, I think, a year going into to garbage because they can't be recycled. Yeah. They're made of several different kinds of plastic. It's the plastic on the inside, what it's wrapped in, the knot, the, the thing on the top, all those things are different types of plastic. So they, when, when you have a product that's a mix of things, yeah, you can't recycle them because the machines can't break can break that things. down, separate that. Yeah. yeah. So um so yeah so i think that starting in one place maybe it's just a razor so instead of buying plastic disposable razors buy a safety razor mm -hmm. if a safety razor doesn't work for you maybe try waxing or sugar wax so it's tr starting one little thing and then slowly building those habits and once you once you see that oh okay i did this i can I do this the difference mm -hmm. you know I, this was yeah. totally doable for me then you go on to the next thing then the next thing then the next thing um, in the kitchen it's 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 really about food waste and about plastic packaging the more fresh foods that you can buy the less plastic packaging and i know that's not easy for everybody because uh, frozen foods are a lot cheaper but they come in plastic so yeah. again you have to look at those things but something as simple as eggs instead of buying eggs in a styrofoam container mm -hmm. buy it in a cardboard container because the cardboard can either be composted or yep. recycled right so it's little things like that instead of buying peanut butter in a plastic jar buy it in a glass, glass jar reuse the jar for something else instead right. of buying matching mason jars what a waste of money mm -hmm. use the jars that you already have in your home right um, you know so you know it's hard to say this is what you should you should yeah with, but i think the big five which would be like coffee cups straws you know those kinds of things that you're using all the time on a regular day to day yeah, yeah. And then start looking at other areas in your in your life. And there's mm -hmm. so many blogs and resources oh, yes. and books to help yeah. you. When I was doing this 20 years ago, there was one book that I read. <laughs> um, actually, there was a few. One was by a Canadian journalist named Alana Stewart. She wrote a book called Seasick, which was all about plastic in the ocean in the years ago. And it was mm -hmm. one of the most brilliant books. It changed my life. Um, another book with is a very good friend of mine um, and colleague, uh, Adria Vassal, wrote a series of books called Ecoholic. 
Um, there's three of them in the series. Th those books also changed my life. And okay. now there's other books. There's 100 Ways to Go Zero Waste by Catherine Kellogg, who mm -hmm. wrote the Zero Waste, uh, Going Zero Waste blog. There's my blog, the ecohouse.ca yes. or .com. Either one works. Okay. Um, you know, um, so now you have so many resources. And yes. There's so many people doing great things and, and educating people on how to choose brands. My blog is is very curated. I'm very, very cautious about who I put on the blog. Mm -hmm. um, if I don't know the brand directly before they are featured on my blog, I reach out to them. I always have a bazillion questions. If they yeah. can't answer my questions, I don't feature them. Mm -hmm. So I have criteria uh, both for fashion and for beauty. And you have to fit into that criteria. I need to know where you're sourcing your items. Is it yeah. sourced? How is it sourced? What are your materials? How are they made? What is your corporate responsibility? Mm -hmm. you know, will you be certified corporation are you a member of one percent for the planet what other things are you doing um in, other than selling a bamboo t-shirt where is right. it coming from how is it sustainably sourced yes. is, it, is it does it have a third-party certification who is overseeing the factory where it comes from these are all questions that i ask every brand mm -hmm. featured on my website so and I've been doing this for so long. I know what to ask. You know what to ask. It's funny when you're yeah. when you're when you're at when you're stating those questions. I'm just thinking to myself, I I wouldn't have thought to ask that. I wouldn't have thought to ask that. Mm -hmm. You know. So it, it's so great to hear you talk about this. But it's so great that you have the Eco Hub because I I mean you have so many great articles on there, and I have to say they are so they're so practical too. Like I I feel like you know they speak to the person who's looking to make that difference, that day to day difference. Yeah. So absolutely all the listeners on here, you have to follow her. Thank you. Um, such a knowledgeable space on living a green and eco-friendly life. Um, yeah, ecohub.ca.com. Follow her. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Rima. That's awesome. But yeah, it's um it's a labor of love. I couldn't imagine not doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't imagine doing anything else with my life. You know, I've been an activist since I was a child and it just yeah. it's a, a very natural, you know, a very natural thing for me. It's not for everybody for sure. Yeah. Um, but if I can change one person's mind or help per a person in one small area of their lives um, and I get tons and tons of DMS and messages from people that, that are grateful. Mm -hmm. And that's what keeps me moving forward because it's, you can have a lot of um, eco anxiety and depression um, because you're like, sometimes, you know, I think, how am I still talking about this stuff? 20 years later how has nothing changed it's actually worse yeah. so sometimes it gets really tough like you get into your head about it yeah. um but it's really you and the people that i help and and my community you know online my readers and and people on instagram that really help me to keep pushing keep yeah. pushing you to see that you are making a difference right you really yeah. you oh. really are um and so, I mean, I know you you sort of mentioned this already a little bit, but for organizations out there who, you know, want to take that action to make a difference, uh, to become more sustainable, more environmentally friendly, obviously transparency, you talked about that a bit, and and making sure everyone is aware of, well, I'll let you, I'll let you get into it, but what can they do? You mean companies like organizations? Brands, yeah. Brands, well, organizations. It's a hard thing because conventional brands would need to change, overhaul their entire system. Like, you right. know, look at someone like 
Zara, for example. Mm -hmm. you know, Zara would, number one, have to admit to the fact that their factory workers aren't paid well. One. Right. Two, most of their clothing is made with either conventional cotton and or a combination of cotton and some kind of synthetic fabric that might be nylon, polyester, blah, 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 which mm -hmm. are plastic. Polyester yep. is a type of plastic. Yep. So the, the production of conventional cotton is one of the most detrimental crops on the planet. One, by the amount of water that's used to grow the cotton. Mm -hmm. Two, by the pesticides that are used as well. And three, most of the time it's slave labor. Like if you don't think modern day slavery exists, you just need to look up conventional product and slavery, sorry, conventional cotton and slavery, and you'll find lots of resources to show that it's unbelievably, mm. it's one of the worst industries. So those Egyptian cotton high thread sheets that you want and you buy at all these different, you know, the Bay winners, all these places yeah. come at an extremely high cost to the planet and to the people who are, um, who are picking the cotton and who are turning the cotton into fabric. So it would be, they would have to have a complete revamp of their company. That means all their prices would have to change. They would have to implement third-party certifications for if it's organic cotton, who says it's organic. Right. So from a, so a sustainable brand on, on the other hand, or a brand that's looking to launch something, mm -hmm. they think about a lot of different things. They need to think about all the things that I mentioned. So number one is what kinds of fabrics and materials are they using? So are they using natural and organic fabrics and materials? So things like organic cotton, organic bamboo, linen, mm -hmm. um, model. So model is interesting because it comes from a eucalyptus tree, um, but it does have synthetic components to it, but it is a very eco-friendly fabric that's okay. used. Good to know. So, it's looking at all those different things. So, so first of all, the material. So then yep. the second part of that is how and where is the material sourced? What kind right. is it coming from? Who's sourcing it? How are they being paid? How do you know they're being paid well? Have you visited the factory? Do you actually go to the factory and see? Are you right. connected to the artisans that are making the products? And are they being, being treated and paid fairly? That's where a lot of the certifications, the third-party certifications. So for, for fabrics, you're going to look for things like GOTS, G-O-T-S, mm -hmm. uh, Tokyo Techs, uh, Blue Design. Um, there's a Merino Wool certification. I mean, there's so many. I couldn't even name them all of the yeah. time ahead. Um, third-party certifications are important because it's not the company auditing themselves. It's right. It's her organization coming in to say, okay, this is what we're looking at. Are they fair trade sort of fast? Is there fair trade? That's another really great, um, you know, third party um, certification. And, and then so that's that, then there's corporate responsibility. So that is, you know, a, what, what else are they doing? Are they shipping carbon neutral? Are they shipping your stuff to you in plastic packaging? Um, do they offer car carbon neutral shipping? As I mentioned earlier, are they part of 1% for the planet? What kind of organizations are they working with to give back? Do they right. use emissions in their own facility? Do they have solar panels on the roof? All those mm. kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, and then when it comes to fashion and beauty, there's inclusivity. So with fashion, inclusivity means sizing, you know, right. extra small to extra large, finding 
um, you know, plus size clothing in, in eco brands is hard. It's not impossible. There are lots. I have a blog on my website about that. Yeah. Um, and then with makeup, it's colors. Are you offering like four shades of light brown, you know, or beige, mm -hmm. um, you know, foundations. Foundations should come in from all the colors. The darkest, every color in between that you can possibly think yeah. of. Yeah. So the brand has to be in inclusive um, as well. So I, I take all of those things into account when I write any blog posts and I right. research the brands. A lot of the brands I know, I have a brand directory on my website. I have thousands yeah. of brands um, that I've, most of them that I've known for years, especially, right. especially in green, especially in the green beauty space, mm -hmm. um, you know, and they're walking the walk and talking the talk with green beauty you're looking at the same criteria. So yeah. in this case, we're looking at how ingredients are sourced. Right. So when, when green beauty first came about, it was interesting because it first came about as green beauty mm -hmm. or clean beauty. There was a really big focus on toxic ingredients. That was mm -hmm. the only focus. It was just, you know, green beauty. What's in, what's in what the product? Right. Then came sustainable beauty. So sustainable beauty was now about the, ingredients where are they sourced how are they sourced and now we're seeing something a very new term called blue beauty yes blue I read beauty about is that. looking at the ocean is looking at how packaging specifically from the beauty industry um affects uh waterways um and not only from the plastic packaging itself but also what's inside some of the things like microbeads for example mm -hmm. or um different kinds of ingredients that can harm so these are the same things I'm looking at. So if I do a zero waste uh, beauty roundup, the packaging has to be um, zero waste. And let me just say, there is no such thing as zero waste. I literally hate that term, but it's that's the term that's used. It's It really should be low waste. No waste. No waste. It should not be zero waste. Even the most eco-friendly product on the planet creates waste. Right. In the manufacturing, in the sourcing, unless they're reusing every every single little item and it's almost impossible to trace that and really yeah. know if that's actually happening so yeah. there really is no such thing as zero waste but people aren't searching low waste skincare they're searching zero waste. zero waste so, right um so when i do a roundup of zero waste the packaging has to be biodegradable and or compostable um there if i do an eco-friendly roundup and i feature companies that do use plastic packaging, I'm going to ask questions like, is the plastic, first of all, made from recycled materials? A lot of beauty brands now are using ocean plastic in okay. place of virgin pla um, plastic. Hmm. So there's lots of questions to ask. There's no perfect, um, yeah. um, you know, and not all brands can cover every single, I mean, there are some brands that pretty much tick all the boxes, mm -hmm. you know, like um, Organic Basics, Tentry, uh, Prana. Um, these are all clothing brands that are Encircled, which is a Canadian brand. It's a capsule wardrobe brand where they're looking at approaching everything from a circular economy. They, they can trace everything, where all their fabrics come from. They connect directly with the factories. They go to the factories. You can mm -hmm. see them on their websites. You know, it's very transparent. Yeah. And if a brand, you know, greenwashing is prevalent. And if a brand is 
being wishy-washy oh, right you know we don't like to share that then find another brand it's a bunch, right it's a really a bunch of bs honestly at this point you should be absolutely you should be able to be transparent about that um, i wanted to talk about greenwashing for a moment i mean um there are there are brands out there that claim to be environmentally friendly using the words such as green and natural and creating packaging that essentially implies that they're environmentally friendly but in actuality they are really not and are causing more damage than good and that is what greenwashing is from my understanding from what you've written about um 100%, 100%. so it's it's essentially it's a deceptive, like the, the actual definition is, it's basically a deceptive form of marketing in which a company claims to be environmentally, environmentally committed, either in the company's own operations, in their goals, or in their products or services it provides without having introduced specific significant changes or sometimes no changes at all in any of their environmental policies. So they assure us that they do less damage um, to nature, but rea in reality, it underlies a purpose to increase profits Mm -hmm. that's uh nowadays green sales are in like we think about green sales yep. and yep. green sales are in there's absolutely no legal requirements of, around the world's natural organic botanical when it comes to the um green skincare so when it comes to skincare um food is different um you can't claim to be organic food if you aren't organic there are um legalities in place that do protect the consumer thankfully mm -hmm. um, and then with clothing as well uh, again a company can claim you know like h&m's conscious collection is a mm -hmm. perfect example of this h&m's conscious collection is made up of some very innovative plant materials like Pinatex, I believe that's what it's called, which is um, as a which is something that comes from pineapples. Um, there's also ones that come from apples, and there's another one that comes from I believe I think it's bananas. There's a bunch. So they are using. So if you look at one of their dresses in the conscious collection, and you look at the label, it's made with Pinatex and rayon. Mm. Okay. So the Pinatex is certified it's they tell you right. what the certifications are but then 80 percent of that garment is made by rayon or some right. or synthetic polyester or something like that so it kind of cancels itself out right That's the first problem the second problem is that where are they sourcing the polyester and that kind of stuff from how are they making it is it reused probably not it's probably virgin polyester mm -hmm. most likely and then there's the issue of factories and workers rights which like zara there are none so mm -hmm. big brands like most of the big luxury brands and brands that people buy are all tied to fast fashion yeah. um, so third-party certifications like okiotex uh, gots all those um are basically proving that the fabric is in fact natural it is in fact organic but you have to read between the lines because yeah. then you can say we use natural materials like organic cotton and it's only really two percent of the garment yeah you know? so uh, what would be a red flag like how would you i because um the average consumer i don't think would 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 have the knowledge to understand to, to sort of catch that is no, there i mean you'd have to look at the label yeah if you know and the label will tell you 20% uh, penetrant, 80% uh, polyester. So and if there's plastic know. in there, then you know. Polyester, uh -huh. right. then, yeah. then that's it. Now, that's the there are, yeah, but there are eco-friendly, 
and I say this with a little bit of uh, hesitancy. <laughs> yeah, there is eco-friendly plastic, meaning that there are companies, especially companies that are making swimsuits mm. that are using and making um, fabrics made from plastic waste that are then reused into a garment. So that's also really good. But again, you'll see certifications, you'll, you'll see an explanation right. of how and where that fabric is made from. When you look at something like Model mm -hmm. and uh, Lyocell, um, there's actually only one company in the world that kind of owns that space. They're called Lensing AG, I believe. They're in Europe. They're a European company. Mm -hmm. So if it's if you see Lensing uh, Model or, or Tencel Model, Lyocell, yeah. uh, those are made from a specific company and they sell the fabric that's, so they, they make the fabric and then they sell the fabric. The, like oh, yeah. they sell the bulk um, fabric to all of these brands who then take that fabric. So they don't sell the clothing already made as a t-shirt. They sell the, the product that you're going to make into the t-shirt. Clothing. Okay. So, you know, most of the brands that I feature on my website, when you go to their websites, they're unbelievably open and transparent. Like they, mm -hmm. like it's clear out there. Like there's no like trying to dig through the FAQ. Or, right. You know, <laughs> yeah. We're on the front page. Our mission, sustainability, our planet, or whatever they call yeah. it, and yeah. you can read all about it there. And yeah. if you're not sure, ask. And social media is a great um, tool for that because mm -hmm. you can go directly to the brand and post a comment right on their page. Yep. Yeah, no, yeah, that's so true. Right on the spot, right there. And that's yeah. <laughs> uh, beneficial to the people, not so beneficial sometimes to the brands. Um, but, but, but yeah, yeah. It allows you to have, you know, open transparency. Like, what is the, like, where you say this on your website, but what, what is does that mean? Yeah. Yes, you're spending money. You know, they're not doing you a favor. You're doing them a favor. You're Absolutely. spending more money. So you have every right to ask, what what is this? How, why am I bringing this into my home? Yeah, no, absolutely. I I read uh, one of your articles recently um, that was focused on the beauty industry. And I know we've talked about this a little bit, but I just, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to state this because you, you stated in the article that 6 million tons of plastics are dumped into the oceans. This, this was the article you did between the green beauty versus blue beauty. Um, and that every year from the beauty industry and, and that, that, even the chemicals in many sunscreens are such a detriment to our marine life. And as a mom of two young kids, like sunscreen for me right now is just like, it's, it's the go-to it's like, it's, I use it every time I walk out the door. So just even understanding that, uh, it, I think it's just so, so powerful that, that listeners should hear that. And you had this line and I had to write it down. You said, um, who would have thought that products meant to beautify our lives would also contribute to this to slowly ending them in some way. And I, I, it made me stop when I read that. And I thought, oh my gosh, that could apply to so many things, not just beauty, totally. not just the beauty industry. I mean, you go to buy a car, you love the way it looks, you love the, you know, just every, anything and everything. Um, and I just thought that that's so fa powerful. And, and I, I wanted to ask, like you had mentioned in the beginning of the podcast that we are still so far behind because um, I was going to ask because of all the awareness that was happening 
there was a collective effort happening to change things for the better when it comes to policy, but just based on what you were saying earlier, well, we're not quite there yet. Well, from policy, no, we're not there at all. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at big companies, I mean, there was a report that came out, I can't remember if it was the US or Canada that showed, you know, that ma major companies like Coca-Cola and I don't even know who else, you know, basically paid no taxes last year. Yeah, you know, and it's like I pay a shit ton of taxes mm -hmm. because of mm -hmm. where I'm in my tax bracket. Like I, it's so unfair and yeah. it's infuriating that this is allowed to happen. Mm -hmm. um, that's one whole other thing. I think though that it's interesting. So the green beauty industry, I I feel did change the beauty industry for sure because mm -hmm. when you look at and this shows you how much power consumers actually do have because mm -hmm. when green beauty flourished when it first came about 10 years ago um you know it was really all about toxic ingredients and right. women were demanding that we don't have these certain ingredients in our skincare pro uh, products and there was so much awareness and media hype around phthalates and parabens yes and um you know um SLS and, and sulfates and perfume and mm -hmm. fragrance and all these different things, right? All these synthetic parts. Mm -hmm. And when that first happened, the industry, the beauty industry was like, oh, please, this is just a hippie, hippie a bunch of hippies. Right. <laughs> you know, this will never last. And now you saw, you've seen a complete shift in the beauty industry where mm -hmm. you do a lot of greenwashing, mm -hmm. so a lot of big brands like CoverGirl, um, you know, Maybelline, um, Herbal Essences, all these brands saying, you know, phthalate three, paraben free, you know, all these kind of catchphrases made with organic fair trade jojoba oil. Mm -hmm. you know, so if consumers and women weren't demanding better of their beauty products, we wouldn't have seen this massive shift. shift. It yeah. can happen. It does mm -hmm. happen. And it did happen with the beauty industry. Mm -hmm. I've seen a complete shift. And we've seen that the green beauty industry is now a billion dollar industry. Yep. You know, when I started shopping at the detox market, it was like an, a pop-up shop mm -hmm. that would pop up here and there that you have to like find on a map to go right. and buy eco-friendly <laughs> products. You know, now they're an established. Oh, now you will go into Sephora and, you know, right exactly. front and center, they will tell you who is green. And that's exactly. personally what I would look for first, right? Exactly. So, so we have seen a major shift in consumers it proves that consumers and one person, two people, mm -hmm. three people, five people, 10 people, 50 people can make a difference. Right. Um, with plastic packaging, it's a little bit more complicated, but you know, we've, we've certainly seen that shift in the green beauty industry. And we've certainly seen big brands, you know, go, Oh boy, we should probably jump onto this bandwagon. Mm -hmm. because they're not shopping at us anymore. They want to know where their ingredients are coming from. They want to know what that ingredient, they want to know what's in their stuff. Yep. You know, so, um, you know, so that's something to be very proud of. You know, we collectively change the industry by demanding transparency. So we just need to see that now um, in more ways. And I think with plastic, it's going to become more of a health issue because right. beauty was all about health. Mm -hmm. you know, is that some of these ingredients are not that great for our health. They can cause lots of different issues. Mm -hmm. Some of them are more tested than others. There, you know, some we can say, this is not good. Don't put this on your skin. Others, 
it's a little bit vague. Yeah. Not too sure yet about how bad they are and blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. with plastic, I think once we start to see the health effects in our yeah. bodies and how we're how our bodies are going to be more and more filled with plastic in the mm-hmm. eat the packaging, everything, even the skincare products that we put on our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's when we'll start to see a, a shift. Is it going to be a big shift like the green beauty industry? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I It'll be those young pregnant moms again, right? Hopefully. They'll, you yeah. know. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. If you were to go back 20 years to the Candace who was just about to start down this passionate path of environmental journalism and activism, what would you say to yourself back then? I would just say, go for it. Whatever you're feeling right now that you want to do, do it. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Um, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't change anything. Um, I wouldn't. I would just say, be prepared for a lot of rejection. Be prepared for a lot of naysayers and climate deniers and all those negative people. Mm-hmm. But also, be prepared for a lot of positive change and and being able to affect and and be a, a, a catalyst for change in a lot of people's lives through mm-hmm. the work that you're doing. So, yeah, I just. Uh, that's probably what I would say, just to do, kind of to be ready for the naysayers. Yeah. Um, but just go for it anyway. Ready for the fight, but just keep going. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it is a fight. You yeah. know, it is uh, there. It's uh, not everybody's on the same page. And that's yeah. why that's why we have a lot of the issues that we have, unfortunately. And a lot of the time, the politicians are very clever and they make it into political issues. Like if you're, if you're a conservative, you, you're not going to believe in this. Anymore. Right. And lots of these issues are ethical and moral issues. They have absolutely nothing to do with, politi- with politics. But unfortunately right. they've made it political because of money. Right. Okay, well, thank you so much, Candice. I feel like I've learned so much. I'm sure many of the listeners have as well. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add or? Oh, just thank you. Thank you for having me and, uh, and allowing me to, um, you know, to, to talk about my, my work and my website. It's a lot of work. Um, it's, a, it's an insane amount of work. Um, and I just hope that people find it um, useful and, and that they take something, um, you know, useful and beneficial away from it. I'm sure they, they will. So the ecohub.ca or .com, um, check it out. 